Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. All right, the first step is complete. Literally, the first step. It's a... you don't know how hard a first step is until you do it in front of everybody. Um, two and a half years ago, Kayla and I left uh, a small church, a portable church. Um, if you don't know me, I've been doing portable church for a good 13 years now. A minute. Um, and so we left, and again, Chris Hansen, I'm an experienced coordinator here. If you were greeted outside, greeted in the lobby, greeted at the top of the stairs, handed a cup of coffee, that is my team. We are the biggest team here. There's about 30 or 40 of us. So shout out to that team. You cannot make it in this building without the experienced team connecting with you. Uh, and my vision for that team is that if you are a first-time guest, or maybe you're a new believer, or maybe you're not a believer, and you are already coming here uncomfortable, you know, what am I going to get here? My goal is that our team helps you kind of break down that wall to where when you do get in here, you're comfortable, everything feels good, and you're relaxed, and you're able to receive worship, you're able to receive the word. So two and a half years ago, Kayla and I left the church that I was also volunteer staff on. Uh, We don't get paid. Uh, We're paid the same as you guys. We get dad jokes, 90s music references, uh, and good sermons. Um, and when we left that church, you know, we've, we visited around, and literally the day, the day we left, we went to an Avenue uh, launch interest uh, meeting. So same exact day. And I kind of knew then that this might be the place, but you don't just jump right in on the first thing. So we visited around. But I kept hearing, or we kept hearing God tell us, take what you've learned and take that Take that to a new church that's starting from the ground up and help them make that transition. And so uh, to be standing here today with that trust, um, it's an honor, and I, I, I feel the full weight of that, and I take responsibility for that. Um, I got to give a shout out to my parents, and I can't look at them too long. <laughs> the Bible says if you train up a child in the way of the Lord, and when they are grown, they will not turn from it. Thank you, and there's been some zigzags along the way. But because you guys are both so faithful, so diligent, every night Bible studies, constantly, what would Jesus do? Constantly, is that the way to act as a Christian? Because of that work, because of your faithfulness, I am here. And I get to be an example for my son, um, who's sitting up here willingly. Um, <laughs> I asked him if he wanted to hear me speak, and he said yes. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you, God. And then it was like, are we staying for both services so I can go to children's church? 
Yes, you can go to Children's Church. So um, outside of Avenue, I'm a manager at Nissan. Uh, I manage logistics for our after sales. That just means we get parts to the dealerships. So um, between Avenue and Nissan, I either have oversight or leadership in about 45 people's lives. Um, and I love it. I love to lead. I love to speak. Um, this will be the first time that my, my parents and my son have heard me speak. Um, I speak all the time at work. So um, let's get into it. So my, I have two main goals today. The, the first is obviously that we are inspired by God's word and that we get something that we can put into action from that. Two is I hope to demonstrate how easy it is to study the Bible. So when Stephen proposed this to us, I don't even know that you proposed it. I think it was just, hey, y'all are going to be speaking. Cool, got it. Um, I had a message, Abraham and Isaac, that story just really resonates with me. It really sticks with me. And I was like, yes, Abraham and Isaac, yeah, yeah. And I kept trying to put a message together and trying to put a message together. And it was, it was square peg, round hole. And I was like, this is not good. I'm going to be up there scrambling. And then two weeks ago, in the Inspired series, what did we do? Soap. In that three minutes of, of the S, Scripture, the message was nearly completely written. Just, it, it just dropped. And so I abandoned ship, got on the soap, um, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go back through that Matthew 6 that we did in soap. And my hope is that you see that with more than nine minutes, you can do virtually what I have did. So a little bit more about myself. I am not a scholar, so disclaimer. If you do not like what you hear today, feel free, email me at stephenmore at avenue.com. Um, and I will, I will take all those complaints and I will go through those with an open mind and open heart. I am not a scholar. I did not go to seminary. I do not like reading. You know, if, you're, if you follow me on social media, everything's working out. A little bit of golf, a little bit of kids, cold plunge. I, but I want to show today that with a... An NLT, I had to get rid of my pocket Bible because we're in our 40s and just can't read the thing anymore. Also, Matthew, just for you, I have some technology up here because the last time I was up here, he made fun of me for having paper notes. <laughs> so I'm looking out for you as well. But I used the NLT, the NRSV because it has a different take, a different interpretation, and Google. That's it. And through the course of about a week and a half, came up with what we're going to hear today. So if you'll go ahead with that first slide, we'll go back through. What is SOAP? Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And today our scripture is in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Um, that is the verse that hit me when we were doing soap. And it hit me because I like, I like to apply. Like, what do I actually do with this scripture? You know, you hear people all the time, go share the gospel. Okay, but what does that mean? Like, realistically, what does that mean? When you tell me go share the gospel, what are the actual things I need to go do? And so it hit me, store up treasure in heaven, there your heart will be also. And I thought, well, how do you store up treasure in heaven? So that's what we're going to get into. So we're going to move into observation. Who is it to? 
what is being said. So Matthew 6, 19 through 21 is part of the Sermon on the Mount, which is actually chapters five through seven. So I encourage you this week to go back and read all of chapter five through seven. Get the full context of that sermon. And so you'll look back in Matthew 5, 1, and it says that Jesus noticed a crowd was gathering. So he got his disciples together and started teaching. And I thought that was cool because when I first put this together, I had it in reverse, that he was teaching his disciples and the crowd came. No, he observed that they were already like, they could see Jesus and the disciples and thought, oops, something's coming. And so they were already starting to kind of circle around in anticipation that he was going to bring a word or bring teaching. The second part, and this kind of goes back to uh, what we learned in the Inspired series, Matthew, as the writer, is writing to the Jewish people. He was writing very intentionally to the Jewish follower of that day. And so Matthew is very instructional. It's very formal. It's very much telling them, here's how you unlearn Judaism, learn Christianity. So what is being said? This is where I, this is my favorite part. Uh, Jesus is updating their law. I got there in quotes because it's his law. He gave it to Moses, but they were so hung up on it. If you looked at like the Pharisees, the elite, they were so legalistic that they'd kind of lost sight. And so the Sermon on the Mount is very much kind of reteaching them uh, what they needed to see. And a lot of uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew um, 517, he, he's, He basically tells them, I have not come to abolish the law of Moses or the prophets, but to accomplish their purpose. So it's not that he's like throwing it out. He's just going to make it right. He's going to make it whole. And so, again, if you think back to to the time that Jesus was doing this sermon and when Matthew was writing, there was no, there was no Bible at that time. There was the Torah or the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible. And that was known as the law of Moses And that is what they held to. It was their history. It was their law. That was really all they had. And then they had the prophets. And so he's saying, look, I'm not throwing that out, but I'm going to accomplish what that was meant to accomplish. And so a a lot of the Sermon on the Mount start with, you have heard it said, or your forefathers were told, but I say it's this. And so one common one that we all know is Matthew 5, 38 through 39. You have heard it said that the punishment must match the crime. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist the evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. This is in reference to Exodus 21, 23 through 25. If you go back to Exodus 21, it's basically personal injury law. So it's everything from your ox gored somebody, got to kill the ox. You knocked your slave's tooth out, Got to knock your tooth out. And and the full verse in Exodus not only says eye for eye, tooth for tooth, it says life for life, burn for burn, bruise for bruise. So it was, and it was all, how do you, how do you judge on this in the court of law? And so he is saying, turn the other cheek. He's saying, there's no, you don't have to go now to the law to be made right. I will make you right. The other thing that he's saying is to focus their heart and efforts on God, not worldly religion. There's a quote from Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, 
but Martin Luther of the 1500s, he was a reformist that broke out of uh, Catholicism and kind of began the Reformed Church. And he says, whatever man loves, that is his God. For he carries it in his heart. He goes about it with it night and day. He sleeps and wakes with it. Be it what it may, wealth or self, pleasure or renown. See, at the time, if you look at the Pharisees, they were very showy. They wanted to show how good they were in the faith. And that was bright, fancy wardrobe, lots of cattle, lots of gold and silver. Everything was about what can I show? How do I display that I'm a good follower, that I'm following the law? Because again, everything for them was that law. I mean, I read in some places that they didn't want you to spit in the dirt on the Sabbath because that might be misconstrued as working the soil. Or they didn't want a woman to look in the mirror on the Sabbath and see a gray hair and be tempted to pluck it out because that might be considered work. That, that's the extremism we're talking about here. And so they were all about, look, I'm fulfilling like 763 laws, something like that. I mean, I can't think of 763 laws, but that's what they were trying to say, look what I'm doing. And so when, the, when Matthew and when Jesus at the time is saying, don't store up treasures where moth and rust destroy, that would have made sense to them. Moths are going to come eat your clothing. They're going to come eat those fine robes. Rust is going to basically, the, we translated the word rust, but really it's just decay. So anything out there that's, you know, left in the weather is eventually going to break down. And so that's the, that's the kind of Christian you're dealing with is somebody that's like, Look at me. And Christ is saying, that's, that's not how this is going to work. So how do we store up treasure? I got four things for us. Number one, we're going to go against culture. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, just as the Jews were being told basically to undo Judaism, relearn Christianity, we have an American culture that is, it's all about me. I make my destiny. I manifest my destiny. I make this happen. I got this done. I made this much money. I own this house. Me, me, me. It's selfishness. Christianity is selfless. Everything from my viewpoint should be you, 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 you. Nothing about me. And so at the time, he's telling them, look, quit, quit showing off with your robes. Quit showing off with your possessions. As we're going to see here in a minute, he wants you to give those away. So the second thing we're going to do to store up treasure in heaven is give sacrificially. And I want to just land there for a second, not just give but sacrificially. That means there might be some skin in the game when we give. Luke 12, 33 says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. There you go, case closed. No interpretation needed. Pretty much just says it there. Um, at the time, they I don't think most of those readers or listeners would have been in a place of abundance. 
So for, the, for somebody to come and tell them not only, hey, your laws are, eh, let's tweak them, but also the very bit, little bit that you have, why don't you start selling that and giving to those in need? Um, I got a cool study note out of my NRSV. It said, when God gives wealth, he also gives a ministry to help the unfortunate. It is absolutely my belief and my opinion that if we are in abundance, that is for the kingdom. And I'm not saying you go out and just sell everything you have, drain the bank account, unless he says so. But if you're in abundance and you're not serving the kingdom with it, you're not giving to the kingdom offering. So let me just take a quick little detour on tithes and offerings. Bold move, right? If you're giving your 10%, awesome. But can you stretch give? Can you give a little bit more on top of that? Either to the kingdom offering or to a need. I would challenge you to look for ways to do that. Look for ways that maybe I give. And maybe it's not financially. Maybe you have land. Maybe you have assets. Maybe you have skills. I can't tell you how many times, like Thomas isn't in here, couple months back, our HVAC was just not working. And normally I text dad because he knows everything. Um, Dad's an engineer and I don't need any mechanics. Go to dad. And so he was giving me some feedback. And so I sent some pictures of the, uh, the handler up in the attic to Thomas. I said, what should I do? And in his professional HVAC recommendation, slap it. (laughs) Sorry, slap it? Yeah, slap it. All right, slap. And wouldn't you know, the green light kicked on, the needle moved over, and air started flowing. Saved me 70 bucks. And it's still running great. And in our previous church, we had an HVAC guy who saved us more than once. So if you have a skill, are you using it for the kingdom? Because not everybody in here can afford to replace a carburetor. They can't afford to replace a hot water heater. They can't afford to replace drywall. But maybe they can buy the materials if somebody will help them do that. So that's what I challenge you guys to do. And of course, you can't talk about money if you don't throw out some stats. So I did some Googling. Um, Apologies to my high school teachers. I did not do a work cited. Oops. So as of 2021, the median household income, and again, back to math class, median is the middle Mean is the average. So median is middle. The median household income in the U.S. was 71000 That means, yeah, that means half the households in the U.S. made less than 71000 Half the households in the U.S. made more than 71000 The median worldwide household income is $2,500. If you're an individual making $60,000 per year just on your own, you are in the top 1% of global earners. So again, just like when people say, "Ah, I don't have time to work out. Really? (laughs) You can't get up 30, 45 minutes earlier? I don't have anything to give. You do. You do. For me, I got to avoid shoes. Liam and I were at Academy to get him some shoes, which means dad's also going to shoe shop. And Air Maxes are just my weakness. 
You know, I already have three pairs. Kayla can't understand it, but I don't have all the colors. <laughs> and so I find this color scheme I really, really like. I don't need them. I just want them. And so I asked Liam, what should I do? Get them. Do you think, what do you think mom's going to think? Oh, she's going to be mad. <laughs> so then you think I should get them? Yeah, it'll surprise her. <laughs> no, it won't surprise her if I come home with another pair of shoes. But I didn't get them. I didn't get them. I just got his shoes. But that's just a small example of if I had $90 I was willing to spend right there on some shoes, I, I could have given that to somebody that needs it. Most water bills are below $90. I was going to say phone bills, but they're, those are shooting up right now. Goodness gracious. I might have to request another work phone and get rid of my own. So that's my spill on money and, and possessions and assets. Look for ways that you can give. And if it hurts a little, good. Because here's the thing. If you, if, if you go back to what I spoke about the last time I was up here about serving each other, and that's where we're getting ready to head. If I'm taking care of you, and you're taking care of me, then it works. This whole church thing works if we're all playing by the same play sheet, if we're all serving each other, if we're all looking to fill each other's needs, then I know you've got me when I need it, and I've got you when you need it. So that takes us to point number three, look to serve others. And they kind of go hand in hand. Galatians 6.10, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. It's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Matthew seven twelve, also part of the Sermon on the Mount, says, do unto others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. I see you over there quoting it. Remember in, in Matthew 5, he said, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law of, and the prophets. And here he's saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Sorry, I, it's memorizing King James. I'm reading it in NLT. I grew up Southern Baptist. Um, he's saying, I got lost on that side note when I looked at mom. <laughs> yeah, he's, doing good to others is the sum of the entire law. That whole law is summed up into just do good to others. You know, when they, they ask him in another point, what's the greatest commandment? To love, your, to love the Lord your God. Everything's fulfilled with that. So our last application here of how we store up treasure in heaven is serve the Lord. It's kind of, again, self-explanatory. It probably should have been the first one. Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. I don't actually know my biological dad left when I was a couple months old, but my dad who legally is a stepdad, but my dad has taught me the value of work. And I cannot tell you how many times both my mother and father said, do that as if you're doing it to the Lord. Work as if you're working unto the Lord. And that work ethic that I've been taught by those two has gone so far in my life, has taken me to places that wouldn't have made it otherwise. 
I work in an industry and I, I work in an automotive industry and I started as a contractor on the line at $9 an hour to where 18 years later I'm a manager and in the very near future, if this interview goes well, I'll be promoting again. I don't have an automotive degree. I have sports medicine. So if you roll your ankle, hurt your shoulder, come to me. I'll help you out with it. But because I was given great work ethic, and because I was told you can't use the actual, you know, give it your all. Don't half. (laughs) Because I have that built into me and instilled in me, and I do it as if I'm serving the Lord, I've reaped the benefits of that. You know, and last week, Stephen talked about, you know, you don't always reap your reward. I I like to, I also like grass, probably not as much as Stephen does. Um, If you think about, there's so many correlations in the Bible to working land, to working soil. And until you own your own land and fight with Tennessee soil, some of those scriptures just don't quite ring true. But once you fight with Tennessee soil, that's just, cursed, I think, <laughs> the, the scripture comes alive again. But you don't always, I like to think of it this way, sometimes you are tilling the ground that somebody else is going to plant seed in, and somebody else is going to water, and somebody else is going to take care of that tree or take care of that grass that comes up, and you may never see it. You may spend all your blood, sweat, and tears in the dirt, and that is Okay. One thing I always tell our team is that serving is not always easy and you don't have to like it at all times and that's okay. Completely okay. So, we've got four actions but if you're like me, I want results. If you're working out, you want to see that you can start lifting more weight. If you're trying to lose weight, you want to see the weight's going down. Well, there's not like a 401k in heaven. You can't check your balance. You don't know, you can't see what you're investing or what your investment is inheriting for you. But there is a way to know if the actions you're taking are the correct actions. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That's how you know that you're serving, that you're giving, that you're doing good is in line. And I want you to think of it this way. This is not a fruit basket where you pick out the things you like. For me, apples and bananas, the rest, eh. Think of this as like a fruit tree and all of these grow on it at all times. You will not just show a fruit. You will show all fruits. Now, are some of them going to be better than others? Yes, more than likely. Do I lose patience with my son who's not there anymore? Absolutely. Because as my parents said, you're going to get what's coming. Yep, he's just like me. And the little Spitfire three-year-old upstairs, she is a blessing. (laughs) She is an arrow in the quiver, and she is going to pierce a ton of hearts. I'm not even worried about her. Yeah, try to date her. Good luck. (laughs) 
So our final point of soap is prayer. And honestly, there's only one prayer that probably is the most important prayer today, and that's the prayer of salvation. Romans 10, 9 through 10. Thank you, Jesus. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. There's not a specific prayer there. There's no prayer of salvation, Luke 57. It doesn't exist. This is what you have to do. Your words are your own, and you'll hear Stephen say that every week. It's not his words. It's your words. It's a conversation you start, and it's a journey that you go on for salvation. So until you have salvation, I mean, you can do the same actions. I mean, honestly, I've, I've met non-Christians that act more Christ-like. But there's no inheritance. And again, it's not about the inheritance. Please hear me there. It's not about the inheritance. It's about our actions and our heart and our mind and everything we did that yields that inheritance. Once we've had salvation, or if you, if you have already experienced salvation, our prayer based on this scripture is Romans 12 too, that he would change our hearts and minds. And we're praying for the strength to go against culture, the faith to give sacrificially, the heart to serve our community, and a desire to serve our Lord. In the Inspired series last week in prayer, and this is what was super cool, you know, not only did the first message that I tried to piece together go right out the window, I hadn't quite landed the plane yet, I couldn't figure out the prayer portion of the sermon. And then he comes in next week. I thought I was done, but I think I got one more thing, prayer. And I'm over there just like, yes, this is happening. This is happening. The Holy Spirit is about to drop something right now, not only for last week, but something I'm gonna pull from. By the end of his sermon, I'm writing notes on his sermon. I'm in my own sermon writing notes. I'm like, I'm all over the place, like happy as a little kid in a candy shop. Thank you, Stephen. But in that sermon, he said, in scripture, God speaks to us. In prayer, we speak to him. What he says to us in scripture prompts what we say to him in prayer. Scripture fuels meditation and meditation fuels prayer. See, church, we should be praying Romans 12 too. Praying, God, change my mind. God, change my heart. God, change my ways. We should be praying Luke 12, 33. God, show me who to give to. Show me how to give. We should be praying Galatians 16, Colossians 3, 23. Fathers, give me somebody to serve. Give me somebody to do good so that they would see my actions and they would know you. Because ultimately, when we serve, if we serve the way he would have us serve, they see Christ. And as we heard in Isaiah 55, 11, that Stephen prays over his girls and that he prays over us. It is the same with my word. 
I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. See, when we pray those scriptures, we're reminding God of his promises. We're reminding him that you said you would change my mind. You said you would change my heart. If you want me to give, then that means you're gonna give me something to give. That's a whole nother, we'll get to that one later. You want me to serve others? Show me somebody, give me the guts to do it. I know some of y'all are, just the thought of standing up here would make my wife, her knees just tremble. But through God, all things are possible. And if you remind him, this is what your scripture says, and I believe you, because I believed in my heart and I confessed with my mouth, I'm holding you to it. Scripture says you can boldly approach the throne. Boldly. And I get a chuckle sometimes when Liam reminds me of something I said. I'm like, yep, yep, got me. I can't help but think it'd be the same way. So I hope that what you've seen today is that anybody can do this. Maybe don't get on stage because you're terrified of public speaking, but maybe you can dig. Maybe you can learn. Maybe you can unlock new truth in the scripture to implement in your life. Because you don't have to be super smart to figure it out. We have an overabundance of material in every single form and fashion you can think of all you gotta do is want it all you gotta do is go after it if you need that prayer of salvation today it's your words it's just believing in your heart that Jesus went to that cross allowed himself to be crucified for your sins and walked out of there three days later the grave couldn't hold him death couldn't hold him and it still cannot it's your words all you do is confess with your mouth believe in your heart and afterwards tell somebody that's that's what that scripture actually means it's confess out loud it's not necessarily under your breath but go tell somebody hey I've prayed the prayer of salvation what next We will have prayer team up here at the front. Steven's here, I'm here. We will walk with you, we will talk with you. And I know every church says that, but we mean it. We'll walk with you as long as we need to. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I am in all of you. I am in all of you for what you have done today for what you have said today, for what you have inspired today, for the hearts that are changing today, for the lives that are changing today, for the minds that are changing today. I am in all that we are even allowed to mention your name and stay standing. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the almighty sovereign Lord would let us sit here and utter your name without fear of death you look down on us and smile Lord I hope that what your children have put out there today for you 
makes you proud. Lord, I hope the worship was sweet to you. I hope the word was well represented, Father. And Lord, if you are tugging on a heart now, give that person the boldness and the strength to answer your call, to pray that prayer and to walk into this kingdom, a new brother, a new sister in Christ.